Welcome to the Crystal Guardian Podcast. My name is Caressa, and this is a show on which I share about my life as a healer and crystal artist. Here, we meet at the crossroads of creativity and consciousness, art and spirituality, giving a voice to the visionaries of today. Hello and welcome to the Crystal Guardian podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. Today on the pod, an episode about my artist's journey. How did I get where I am today? I think uh, hearing these stories of others usually are my favorite stories, you know, hearing how yeah, what steps someone took to uh, to get where they are today. And in that, knowing that, yeah, you can take those steps too. And they are my favorite stories to hear. So I definitely wanted to share my own with you. I definitely believe that this title of being an artist, being an artist full-time, it can be a very loaded thing. And more on that soon. But yeah, by just sharing my journey, I hope it demystifies it a little bit and and gives you perspective and maybe gives you little tools and things where you can translate that to your own life and yeah, find your own way. So let's just dive straight in. I was a very, very creative kid. I was definitely always drawing. I was always making things. I was very much into horses. So I was drawing horses all the time. I would design the layout of my own stables and where uh, yeah, everything would go. And, you know, really to the, to the extent of clipping the pictures of the doors that I would have from magazines and going all the way in and this is you know I was 12 but always 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 I was I was making things I was creating things and I always wanted to become a vet a veterinarian for horses as well when I was growing up and I think it was around the time that I was 15 or 16 and I was in high school and I started I started second guessing because this was something that I I had told myself my whole life, I'm going to become a vet, I'm going to become a vet, I'm going to become a vet. And all of a sudden I stood still and I asked myself, do I want to become a vet? And I also think, honestly, that the um, the amount of things that you need to know, um, like studying medicine, I was a little bit intimidated by that. I also had a moment of, is that the the life that I see for myself? Is that the really this this academic thing and actually the answer was no and my search started uh, when my mother actually she asked me don't you want to study spatial design uh, at an art school and I <laughs> I had not looked at the description of these studies I didn't go to any, uh, like, we have these open schools in the Netherlands and you can come and kind of do like a day and see what it feels or see what it's like. I I did none of those things. I didn't read anything about it. I was just, yep, that's what I'm going to do. So I signed up. 
I uh, got to get through the phase of application. The application process is quite big. You have to do all these tests. If you have any like spatial, like spatial awareness, so that's a part. And of course, you have to show you, uh, like works, and and they give you this this assignment, and then everyone hands in their uh, their things. And luckily, I was picked from many many applications. And I think it was 40 of us that got to start that year. And this year was such a great year for me. I loved spending time with my friends, my classmates, creating stuff. But at the same time, I at one point also felt that it wasn't it wasn't for me. That maybe this whole art thing would be more a hobby than it would ever be my job. I also got very intimidated by all the talent around me, all my friends, my classmates, but also people in different lines of art in that school. Yeah, everyone was just so freaking talented. And I started second guessing myself as someone, yeah, like thinking, I don't really see myself doing this as a job between all these other super talented people because what will I bring? And also the way that they were doing things, the way that they were teaching us, I felt there was no space for intuition. It was a lot of testing and testing and testing again, developing, developing, developing and going very deep into a specific idea. And if you had like a very good story to back up your crappy little thing that you had prepared that week, you know, everyone would applaud you. But if you had this amazing, beautiful thing, but actually it just felt good, but you didn't really have that much of a backup story behind it, it it would be declined. And this way of working, it didn't sit well with me. Um, So all of this culminated in me, uh, yeah, quitting that first year. And when I quit, I decided I wanted to go traveling for a year. I went to Australia and in uh, one of the previous podcasts where I share about my spiritual awakening, I tell a lot about this uh, trip that I took to Australia, which really changed my life. Really, I would not be sitting here the way that I'm sitting here today if I hadn't gone on that trip. Uh, This I know for a fact. When I went to Australia, I met my um, partner, now ex And we decided to start living together in Australia. And as I was living there, this was in a town called Bexhill, very close to Barron Bay, which is this super hippy-dippy surfer town. And in this place, I mean, you know, crystal shop on every single corner. If you would go into an arts and crafts shop, there would be all the tools to make your own dream catcher and, and very facilitating to kind of the curiosity I felt because after quitting art school, I felt that I I kind of doomed myself to, uh, you know, then probably I'm not a creative person, then probably this is not what I'm going to do. As I was in Australia, which is already almost a year after I quit uh, art school, so I had some time before that working and figuring myself out and saving up to go on this trip. And when I got back to start living with my ex Marcus, I started kind of integrating myself into the little society of, uh, yeah, of the area that I was in and Byron Bay. And I remember that 
Marcus was very encouraging of me to go and just make things. I would see something that I liked and he would be like, hey, but you can make that yourself. So I ended up making a chakra wand, which was this, um, this branch that I found in the garden. And I sanded it down and I, with a little knife, I carved like the perfect indents to fit the crystals that I found for each chakra. And this was such a cool, cool process. And also, you know, really connecting myself to to the land there. Because, for example, for the chakra one, I specifically wanted to have red jasper in there. And every single shop, every single crystal shop I would go into, and they have like six there or something, I couldn't find red jasper. And I thought that was the strangest thing because it's a very common crystal. It's not a not a, like a rare crystal that you won't uh, find in many places. And I started asking person and person and person again, like, do does anyone have any red jasper here? And then this guy, he asked me like, but why, why do you want to buy red jasper when you can just, you know, collect it here from the beach? <laughs> and I remember laughing. I was like, wait, you can collect it from the beach? Are you serious? And logically, the next day I went out and started collecting crystals from the beach. I found this man who treated crystals and who made jewelry, had this tiny, tiny, tiny little place where where he had all his equipment. And I asked him if he could polish my crystal and if he, I, I used one of the crystals to create an anklet because I really liked the grounding vibration of red jasper to carry it or to wear it around my ankle to really anchor me into the earth and also anchor me into the the earth from yeah, which I collected the crystal as well, which is such a different dimension and deepening in this relationship that I had to the crystal. But also, of course, I used one as the base chakra crystal for this crystal wand that I was making. So I spent hours and hours and hours of diligently working on that wand. I had a Herkimer diamond laser points uh, in the points. And I made this hole on the end of the stick, which was very tricky because the branch would almost break because it was very thinly kind of like dug out. Um, so it was this super, super precise, very mindful way of working and creating with crystals. And this is actually my first real encounter of working with crystals. And I, I noticed that my bond started to deepen. The crystals were no longer this thing that I had in my room that I knew, oh yeah, it does this and this and this. Or, you know, oh, that crystal works so and so. But now I could feel because, you know, you have the crystals in your hand and you you put all your attention and awareness and energy in this tiny little point of earth magic, of earth wisdom. And you connect to the, the place in the earth where it came from and try to honor it by carving the perfect little spots and seeds in that branch so that it can beautifully sit there. And it's, it's a different experience. You start creating and forging a bond with the crystals. And this is really that reciprocity that comes into place there where when you put so much attention and love into this crystal, into creating with a crystal, you receive that back. The energy that you feel from the crystal strengthens. The vibration amplifies. 
And this was such an insane thing for me to experience, but very, very palpable, very, very real. Yeah, I finished this wand. Afterwards, I had a little project of creating a dream catcher, and I wanted to create a dream catcher that had moonstone and amethyst in it because amethyst brings deep peace. Moonstone is also a beautiful crystal to soften, to help with smooth sailing through dreams and nightmares. Amethyst, very protective. So I loved those two crystals and I wanted to implement them into a dream catcher. And I was actually looking to buy one. And again, I got the invitation, why don't you make your own? Because I I could never find a dream catcher that I thought this is the one. This is the design that I just love. We actually found a bird that was run over by a truck at the side of the road. <laughs> That's Marcus uh, decided to pluck feathers from a kookaburra bird, which is a very uh, native bird to Australia. So I implemented these feathers, which we were very thankful to receive from this bird and to honor this bird. And we implemented this, or I implemented these in my in my dreamcatcher. I implemented the um, the amethyst and the moonstone, and I made two circles. I used a rope to form kind of like a crescent moon shape. And it had all the things that I that I really wanted to be in that dream catcher. And still it, it's still hanging in my in my bedroom to this day. And every time I look at it, I'm just like, wow, this is the most beautiful, beautiful dream catcher in the world. And you know, through weaving that that rope, which was an endless project. I think I spent more than 10 hours on, on creating this dream catcher. And through weaving the thread, you know, you forge, again, you forge this bond, you create something so sacred because your awareness and your attention is put into that single moment. And, you know, this intention of, I want this dream catcher to protect me and to keep me safe, uh, during the night to to save me from any nightmares, to, to bring in inspiration. And when weaving and having this intention in your mind, it, it's infused in the crystals. They work so much more for you, with you. They work with you. So all these things, they were happening, and I had these long stretches. Marcus was uh, doing tour guides, so he would go away for like five days in a week, and I would just be by myself working on these projects, like, diligently. There was this one coffee shop that I would go to almost every day. I would just go there in the morning, drink a coffee, read a book. It was beautiful. It was a 40-minute drive, uh, which in Australia is not that far, but, you know, it's, it's a little it's a little while. But I would go there in the morning, drink my coffee, and in that shop, there was crystal grid artworks hanging there. So these beautifully framed crystal grids on sacred geometric shapes. I think it was a flower of life or something like that. Very different from the things that I create, but that was the first time where I thought, huh, crystals can really be showcased as a piece of art. It is not just a tool or a material to implement into different projects, but actually, you know, there are these beautiful, beautiful gifts of the earth and you can showcase those gifts. You can honor those gifts and 
and show them to the world through, yeah, infusing them or, or putting them in these artworks. And that really, it, it sparked something in me. And I, I remember at that moment, I didn't have the tools or anything to really create a crystal grid there, but it always stuck in the back of my mind. So when I got back from Australia, like very straight after I met Alessandro, which is my partner right now, my big, big love, uh, when we were seeing each other not for that long, I think this was a year or half a year into dating, he moved to Amsterdam. And at that moment, I thought, this is my chance. I am going to create a crystal grid for him. He also had trouble sleeping. So I thought, oh, I'm going to put all the crystals in there to help him sleep and to put crystals in there that I felt would help him on his path, on his journey to really invite in this energy in the in this new space that I would love to give to him. So I went on and I made a crystal grid and I got crystals from all these shops, which were so expensive. Like I spent so much on that first crystal grid, but it was really this passion project that I felt I had to create. And in the beginning I was struggling and I was, uh, I had all these thoughts in my mind of, am I going to also put it on a sacred geometric shape or not? And I wanted to do it a little bit different from the ones that I saw. And very naturally I felt like, no, these sacred geometric shapes, they are not for me. They felt constraining. And I very early on noticed that the crystals, when I was working with them, they wanted to move freely. They wanted to find their own shapes and forms and yeah, ways of moving. So I decided to release the whole idea of the sacred geometric kind of underplayed, because that's what the crystal grids usually uh, if you Google crystal grids and go to Google images, you most of the things that you will see are these crystals that are put on the, the places where the lines of the sacred geometric shapes intervene, where they meet, where the lines cross. That's where the crystals are put. And of course, the, the sacred geometric shapes, they hold great, great power and magic in those lines. And then adding the crystals to that creates such a powerhouse. But I felt actually, I don't need those sacred geometric shapes because it feels, yeah, constricting. It felt constraining to me. So I decided to let those go and really create something that felt authentic to me and that felt how it wanted to move through me in that moment. And this was a very natural, like not too much thinking, but very natural way of going with it. So I created this first crystal grid, which was basically a circle, had a big centerpiece, uh, libretorites, and this crystal grid, it didn't have a matted frame around it, so it was a little bit ugly in that way, which I added a matted frame later on as I was developing my artworks at a later stage. But yeah, to this day, it's still hanging above our bedroom, and it's the most special, special uh, crystal grid to me because it was the very first one that I made. It was the very first one. Yeah, I created this crystal grid and of course, Alessandro, he accepted the gift very gracefully, but we all knew it was more of a gift for me than it was actually a gift for him. Um, but yeah, he knew, <laughs> he knew the kind of person that he was, uh, he was seeing, which is a person who loves to create stuff. Um, and he was a little bit spiritual, not a person who only does things. 
<laughs> for themselves, obviously. Yeah, so so I gave Alessandro that crystal grid, and that was that, really. Yeah, I, I left it at that. At that time, I was studying health science, uh, which is something I decided to start doing after I got back from Australia. And I had a very big, yeah, a very big notion of busyness in my life around that time. I was still very inspired from my travels in Australia. I wanted to do Reiki. I wanted to become a yoga teacher. I wanted to do all these different things. So all my weekends were cramped with yoga teacher trainings, with Reiki certifications, with whatever I could get my hands on. And during the week, I was doing like my first year of this university degree, and it was all quite a lot. Uh, to be honest. And of course, when things are getting too much, the body reflects, right? So not too long after creating that very first crystal grid, I got a hamstring injury, which it's, um, uh, I tore my hamstring like right in my butt area. Uh, it's not a fancy story. I was a little bit tipsy. I climbed up a tree because I um, generally really love climbing in trees. And I jumped out of the tree, and this was a tree that was on the beach. And I jumped out, I kind of misstepped on the sand, like slid away in the sand. And through that motion, I tore my hamstring. But I was traveling, and it didn't feel that bad in the beginning. So I just kept on traveling. And the next day, I actually, I walked the highest stairs. I walked this temple in Thailand, which was the highest stairs in the whole country. Like this ridiculous amount of steps. I don't even remember, but it's, you know, you you go above the clouds. So <laughs> that was what I did the first day after tearing my hamstring, which was um, not the smartest thing, but, you know, in hindsight, it all had to happen that way. But yeah, so that kind of happened early that year. I also got the diagnosis of PCOS, which is uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. This basically means that I don't have an ovulation that often, uh, that uh, my hormones are a little bit unbalanced. And this was a really big thing. Like this was a very, very big thing for me to, to hear at that moment. It made me think as a 21 year old, do I want to have kids or not? Am I going to throw my life around to make sure that I am going to cure this and, and heal this holistically? What kind of changes in my lifestyle do I need to make? And, and it was very much on the top of my mind and also made me, I think a little bit more mature made me ponder more mature topics or topics that other people would, would ponder later on in life, right? But I was already busy with, yeah, I do want to have kids. And okay, then I am going to make changes in my life right now because I want those children in my life. And if there's one thing about me is that when I've made my mind up about something, I just, I know. I knew, I think, two or three months into dating Alessandro, this is the guy I'm going to marry. Um, and at that moment, I knew I'm going to have babies with you. And um, uh, it's still in the making. But I just knew. And and it's hard for me. It's hard for me to then think, okay, okay. But actually, right now is not the timing for it yet. Actually, it's okay if we wait a little bit longer. You know, you're only 21. Please, please, please enjoy your life a little bit longer. Um, but these were all things that were going on right around the same time. And my mom had sent me to a healer, to uh, this woman. She was a shaman, uh, does a lot of energetic healing, Marika. She was living in Amsterdam at the time. Right now she is living 
anywhere in the world, sometimes Egypt, sometimes Netherlands, wherever she wants, basically. Um, and my mom sent me to her. I didn't know her at the time. Uh, she told me, okay, you need to do a healing with, uh, with this woman. So we did a whole healing. In that moment, she already mirrored to me like, hey, maybe, you know, that uh, college degree that you're doing, university, maybe it's not, you know, does it really feel in alignment for you? But at the time, I was not there yet. I was not ready to, to let that go. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm going to do this. This is crazy. La, 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 la. We did the healing and it was mainly focused on and my hamstring injury and my PCOS, which is both, you know, it's a second chakra, first chakra kind of thing. So it was all in the same area, was all intertwined in the same themes. And right now I've done so much work on those themes and it feels so much lighter and more in flow. And uh, I barely ever feel my hamstring injury anymore, which is, of course, beautiful. And I'm so happy about that. But at the time, it was really present. This hamstring injury made that I had to stop teaching aerial acrobatics, which is the thing that you sometimes see in the circus with the like the big tricks that these people do in these very big curtains kind of thing. I was teaching that. And of course, when your hamstring is torn, impossible, impossible, because it's so many big kind of like hits or shocks on your body and you have to have the strength and the stability in your muscles to catch those shocks so yeah i had to stop doing that we were living on the fourth floor by that time uh, me and alessandro had moved in it's a little bit later uh, so the place that he moved to when i gave him the crystal grid i moved in with him a couple of months after this was not the f at the fourth floor this beautiful beautiful apartment but no elevators just stairs and I was not able to walk the stairs. So I really felt locked up in this little this little tower in this beautiful place in Amsterdam, but I couldn't go anywhere. I couldn't ride my bike or too much. So I felt very locked up and also decided to take a little break from my studies at that moment, actually. But rewind to the healing that my mom sent me to with Marika. I, I did the healing with her. And uh, as we finished the session, I left to go to the bathroom and I walked through her hallway and I walked through the hallway as I came in. But this was the first time that I really walked through the hallway and, and saw it. And in this hallway, she had these beautiful, beautiful um, artworks hanging, which were these circular wooden kind of constructions. And then there was yarn moving, weaving through that. And I'm not explaining it that great but it's ridiculously beautiful it almost looks like a portal that you can travel or journey into and as I was seeing these artworks I thought to myself wow actually I could make this and my artworks can be in in some healer's hallway to be sold to the patients and the clients and you know like this is this is possible. This is real. This this happens. And went into the bathroom at that time. I had my period for a very long time. This was one of the things that was classic for my PCOS. And went into the bathroom and bled. Like floodgates opened. And it really felt that I, I dropped into this knowing of, I can do this. I can create these things this can be this can be something I do I can create the crystal grids you know the one that I made I can do that again and 
maybe people can get them. And, and my whole body, my whole body responded. It was one big exhale, a release, a letting go. And I think this was somewhere around like Christmas period or January. It was cold, I remember. And in February of that year, I had the one month uh, that I took off of university to kind of take a little moment. I was too overworked, you know, like my body, I couldn't move. So I decided to take that time for myself. And, you know, with this new feeling of, hey, maybe I can make these things. Maybe I can create these things. I went to this Facebook group which is called Ambitious Women. It's a Dutch uh, Facebook group and wrote a little post and I typed in my on my laptop, hello, and I p- posted a little picture of the crystal grid that I made for Alessandro and I, and I wrote, hi, um, so I made this crystal grid. Are there any people here that uh, one, would wanna get one, uh, would be interested in having one? Two, Does anyone know where to get frames for these things? Three, has anyone got any clue where I could get any crystals? (laughs) And um, in 24 hours, I had 30 replies to that post saying uh, all these different places to get crystals, all these beautiful other people that were doing kind of like a sort of similar thing to be inspired from, like other people creating things with crystals or other people creating artworks in these kind of frames. And and also a lot of people that were saying, I have no clue how to help you, but can I please order one from you? Because I love this. And this was really my sign. You know, those 24 hours, they were so charged. I felt so alive and everything in my body was saying, this is the way. This is it. So gathered all the information. I went to all these different places to find the the best crystals for uh, these artworks. I think I spent, I invested like 500 euros in materials, which was quite a lot uh, at the time. And I made four crystal grids. I made my first four real crystal grids to share with other people. Posted them on my Facebook. This was still when Facebook was more of a thing. And within a week, all four were sold. They were gone. I started on Etsy, so I posted them on Etsy. I think one of them got sold through Etsy. One of them got sold to actually the healer, Marike, that I went to when I had the idea. Another one was sold to another friend. And another one was sold through that Facebook group of someone that responded. And those four, they were sold. And I remember thinking to myself, there's something here. There's something here. There's something very, very special here that I need. I need to explore. I need to go into this because this might just change my life. After that moment, slowly but surely, I started making more grids. I started selling more grids. I started making crystal grids in which I attuned myself to the soul that was going to receive them. And from that, I would create an art piece, these soul portraits. I still make them to this day. The concept has very much stayed actually the same as it was when I was doing this in the living room of our small apartments on the fourth floor there in my uh, in my little tower. I, oh, I look back at that time and even though I was feeling crappy, 
I was feeling stuck in my body. I was so happy that I couldn't move my body anymore, but I could move my soul in these artworks. You know, creativity, it's, it's flow, it's movements, but it's internal movements, mostly. This recharged me and, and replenished me with so much joy and, yeah, really this, this creative life force energy. So I started making more and more and making these soul portraits. And I remember the first one that I made for someone, which was so nerve-wracking because basically at the time I, I was still kind of figuring things out. And I asked her, do you want to, do you, do you have any crystals that you would want? Or, you know, like, is there anything that you want to tell me? And she was like, nope, you know, this is my story. I trust you. You just make whatever you feel. And I was thinking to myself, holy crap. What if she's not going to like it? You know, what if, what if, oh, how does she know that what I'm going to make is going to be beautiful? And, you know, still very much at the stage of figuring out my spirituality and learning how to listen to my intuition, which the crystal grids have played such a big role in because they, they taught me to trust what I'm feeling and to trust that what's coming through. And this first crystal grid was such a example of that because yeah she told me you know whatever you feel is good create it for me so I started creating this crystal grid and it looks like a yoni a vagina it was a vagina crystal grid I showed my friends I showed Alessandro and everyone was like yep that's a vagina and uh, I, I remember really taking a moment with myself am I going to send this woman a vagina crystal grid Am I, am I really going to do that? And I remember landing in this, like, fuck yeah, you know, that's what I felt. That's what the crystals told me they want it to be. She's getting a vagina. <laughs> so I sent it over to her. She loved it, loved it. Like, was so happy with it. Felt it was so in alignment with where she was, with her path and and to me, that was the biggest gift I could get. That confirmation of, okay, you can follow. You can follow what you feel. It will resonate because these people find you. And that's why they, you know, that's why they want a crystal grid from me, one that I created, because our energies are at some place already linked. And we have this little soul contract that I I'm going to channel something that is going to bring you further on your path, period. Doesn't matter what it's going to look like, what's coming out. It's this is what you need to see and experience and feel at this moment. Yeah, that was such a beautiful, beautiful thing to experience. And I started kind of experimenting with my work. I started trusting in the things that were coming through. I started trusting that the crystals I started learning their language. In the beginning, I was still writing down every single crystal I was writing down. It, I, I was, went back to my book, a book that I bought in Byron Bay in Australia, the very first crystal book that I got, Crystals for Healing by Karen Frazier. I looked in a little book and I wrote it all down, amethyst, this and this and this, moonstone, this and this and this, rose quartz, this and this and this. And every time I sat down with the crystal, I tuned in, okay, Amethyst, what does it mean for me? How does it feel like for me? And I started learning that every crystal, even though you have two amethysts, they have a different energy, they have a unique energy. And I started 
learning that actually when my mind gets in the way, I start creating things that I think I have to create, but actually the, the crystals don't want don't want it. And I started learning to lean into the messages of the crystals that wanted to come through me. I started channeling what it meant to have all these crystals together in one crystal grid, what it meant that they were, you know, placed there in that constellation, in that shape. Um, and through that, learning the language of my intuition. And after a while, I started teaching workshops. And in these workshops were really, that was really the moments where I started to realize how special this thing was, what I was doing. Because before I was translating the messages of the crystals of the artworks that I created. So it was my energy in there. And in these workshops, people create their own, their own translation of their soul into the crystals. And I'm just a guide. I'm just holding space for that. And I remember at the end of a workshop, everyone gets a reading, a, a little reading of, of, yeah, what is that message of your soul that wants to come through? What is the message that the crystals want to portray right now? And I remember looking around the table and thinking to myself, the very first uh, crystal grid workshop that I did, what am I going to say about these things? I don't know. And my mind was getting in the way and I wasn't, I wasn't sure. And what was this crystal again? And I don't know. I don't know. And I sat down for the very first reading. I looked at the crystals, took a breath, tuned in, and the words just flowed out. It was not me anymore that was bringing these messages, but it was the crystals. And they were just using me as a channel. And that was the moment that I felt okay. This is what I'm supposed to do. The feeling that I had after these experiences, my energy was so expansive, so expansive. It recharged my whole being and everything inside of me told me, this is what I need to do with my life. This is the path. But <laughs> I was still studying health science at university. And it was a long, long way of going back and forth of dropping a few classes here, dropping a few classes there. Okay, maybe I'm just going to do it part-time and then part-time do my business and set up this, this business that I have. I was still teaching yoga as well and really finding a way to integrate it all into my life until I got to a point where it wasn't possible anymore. It was just impossible for me to to keep on going and it was a very specific special moment uh, a very specific day that I have been walking around after that first year of, of studying health science I already knew actually okay something deep inside of me knew this was not going to be my path but I always thought I'm just you know doing it let's just finish finish the degree I already quit my art school let's just you know get this paper get it over with so it was two years i, I studied it for three years in total at the end, but it was two years of dragging myself into every subject, into every class to just finish this thing. And at the same time, had millions of conversations with people of like, should I quit? Should I not? Should I work full time, do this business thing, create these artworks that I feel that really, oh, I wanted to put all my energy into it and really had to be put out into the world. And it felt like this service to myself, but also to the community that I was living in and to the souls that I could touch with these super special experiences and artworks that I was 
giving, it felt like that was just, you know, why wouldn't I do that? Because it brings such joy and beauty and tears. And uh, it was just so beautiful. So yeah, on this day, I met my friend Eugenie for the very first time. I had my artworks in the yoga studio that we were both working in. And uh, one of them was sold. So I came to pick it up and then exchange it for a new one. And I saw her for the very first time and she asked me like hey how are you doing and by that time I had gotten into the habit of when someone would ask me how are you doing to really drop into the truth of that moment and how I was really doing so I shared with her actually I'm a little bit conflicted right now because I have this decision and I don't know what to do whether to quit my studies or whether to do you know like work for myself full-time or not and then she shared a story with me that she moved from China where she was studying acupuncture because of a hunch, because of an intuition that she had to come to Europe. She told me, I have not regretted that decision a day since. And it really stuck with me. And on I went with my day. I had a physical therapy appointment with Roel. If you are looking for a physical therapist who works magic in Amsterdam, um, let me know. I'll, hit, I'll give you his number because he's the best. Yeah, for me, it was so special. I came to him with my injury, my hamstring injury that was still bothering me, especially in teaching yoga multiple times a week. It, I was feeling it in my body, so he was helping me with that. What do you know? This guy is also a meditation teacher, feels into energy, and he really knew, like, okay, you're coming to me with this hamstring injury, but there's something at the root of that that needs to be seen. I had most pain of my hamstring injury when I was doing pigeon pose in yoga. So he told me, okay, we are going to do a pigeon test. First, you sit down on the couch, really drop into the feeling of, I am going to finish my studies. I'm going to get my degree. It's going to go peacefully and beautifully, and I'm just going to seal right through it. And it's going to be great. Really drop into that energy of, okay, that's my path. That's what I'm going to do. Open my eyes, came into pigeon pose, hurt like hell. <laughs> like always, like hurt like normal, but like hell. After that, um, I think you guys can already guess where this is going, but he told me, sit down, drop into the feeling of you are going to quit health science you are going to start working for yourself full-time. You're going to create your artworks full-time. This is what you're going to do. For starters, I was there in a split second. I like, I was there. I was like, yep, got it. Okay, pigeon pose. And I got into pigeon pose and it didn't hurt. It did not hurt. My mind exploded. I was like, what? I have been hurting myself? I have been physically hurting myself by not making this decision, by not doing this thing. That's insane. That is so insane. And to me, I just really needed that first, that conversation with Eugenie. And then that's really very physical thing. Because until that moment on, I thought I was just in this boat and I was rowing and rowing and rowing. And one day I will have my degree. No one's hurt. Everything's okay. And I'm just going to, you know... I'm just going to keep on rowing at my boat and one day we'll get there. But now I, I understood that that my boat was on fire. Like I was hurt physically. And, and why the hell am I still in this boat? I walked out the space. I walked out the building. I sent Alessandro a voice message saying, I'm going to quit. 
this is it, the decision is made, I'm going to quit. And I had a very, very big feeling of guilt towards my parents and towards my grandmother especially because I knew that she so wanted me to get that degree and, and you know, she wanted the best for me in the world and that was her paradigm, that was her vision goggles that she had that if you're going to finish that degree, that's going to be the best for you in your life. So I felt a very strong responsibility to to make that come true. That was one of the things that really helped me back into making that decision of quitting studies and then working for myself full time. Yeah, I sent a voice message to Alessandra. The decision is made. This is what we're going to do. And I just uh, went back home. I, I was free that day. I remember him calling me later on when he had a break at work and 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 told me like, holy shit, you've made a decision. What? This is so cool. You're doing it. You're doing it. And then I realized, oh, wait, I'm doing it. <laughs> Now I have to face my fears. Now I have to tell my family. And what do you know? Everybody saw it coming. And everybody supported me so, so much. And yes, at some point I had to show them that I was able to do it. They didn't feel what I felt inside, that everything inside of me told me, this is your path, this is what you need to do. They didn't have that feeling. So I had to show them. And when they saw, they were like, okay. Yes, this is what you need to do. Fast forward to today, we survived 2020, no workshops at all, but luckily I started expanding. So all of this happened right at the end of 2019. So I started working for myself, 2020 happened, no more workshops, very big hit on my income, no more yoga classes. But luckily the amount of people getting the crystal grade artworks really exploded. I was able to share it with so many people, which it brought such joy to my heart and really made me feel a sense of trust that this was possible and that this was the good decision for me to make. Ah, yeah, right now I'm doing great. And as Eugenie said, I haven't regretted it a day since. It was the best decision I could have made, the best decision for myself. And everything inside of me feels that this is where I'm supposed to be. This is my path. The crystals are my language. This is my medium. And this is it. This is it. Oh, and I have so many dreams for the future that I'm sure I will share on this podcast. But for now, I would love to leave you guys at the end of this story. Thank you for listening. Thank you for holding the space for me, for making me feel safe in my own community to share. I know that I'm not the only one with a story like this. Yeah, I would love to hear yours. I would love to hear yours. So don't be shy. Send me a message. And if you love this episode, make sure to leave a review, subscribe, drop some stars, drop a few words, uh, share it on Instagram. It's still all so new, so it helps me tremendously. It really brings so much light into my heart to see that you're you're enjoying it. And yeah, so thank you for that. I hope to see you on the next one. Speak soon. <laughs>